Hey guys, it's Gwen. If you love what you hear, there are a few ways you can help us during season two. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcast apps. Rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast with your friends helps us out more than you'll ever know. Sharing is caring, as they say. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram as Real Vixen. The Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books and Bethany House, publishers of River to Redemption by Anne H. Gavhart. It's been over 150 years since slavery ended in America, but the conversation about this awful and dark part of our country's history remains relevant and necessary. Anne H. Gabhart's newest emotional novel, River to Redemption, features a young woman raised by a slave who chose duty over freedom, determined to save the life of the man who saved her. I'm thrilled to welcome Anne to the podcast. Oh, it's good to be here. Well, I'm really excited about talking to about River to Redemption, but before we get started, I'd love if you took just a few seconds or a few moments to introduce yourself to us. Well, I uh, live in Kentucky. I uh, live on a farm. I'm a farm girl, grew <laughs> up on a farm. Uh, love the country, love uh, all the things in the nature. I, I always uh, put a lot of pictures of what I see when I take walks on my Facebook page. Ooh, love dogs. Love dogs. I've got a crazy dog that's uh, kept me uh Given me lots of exercise, <laughs> and uh, got three three children, all happily married. They gifted me with nine grandchildren. So I've been married since I was five, I think. <laughs> I've been married a long time. You've got to that point where you've been married longer than you weren't, right? Oh, way longer. <laughs> <laughs> I did get married very young, so I wasn't really five, but I was very young. <laughs> So had reading always been a big part of your life growing up? Oh, I love to read. As soon as I discovered that uh, somebody was responsible for those words in the books that I read, that was what I wanted to do. Wow. When I was reading uh, Hardy Boy books when I was, I don't know, nine, maybe eight or nine, ten, I decided that uh, I would like to be a hardy boy. <laughs> I wanted to be a hardy girl, I guess. And so I wrote my own, started writing my own mystery at that age. And oh, really? I had a lot of fun with that. I'd write a chapter or two, let my cousin and sister read it, who, who happened to be my sidekicks in the book. So we had a lot of fun with that. And then I kept writing, changed over, wrote short things when I was a teenager, and then took a little writing course. And uh, the last assignment was to write an outline for a novel, though. Well, outlines are not my favorite thing to do so I wrote the novel instead and discovered what I like to write best what was it what was that aha moment that helped you decide what you like to write best I think it was just uh, writing that first novel you mm-hmm. know I got to stay with the same characters for a long time I enjoyed uh, enjoyed being in, in with the story for more than you know however long it took me to write the short right pieces. so I liked developing the characters and and it just just was what I wanted to do. Was historical always the genre that you that you fell in love with, or was there other ones that you were interested in writing? Well, I've been writing a long time, mm-hmm. and my first book was published in 1978. Wow. And I had written a couple before that. And actually, the first book I wrote was a gothic novel. You remember gothics, maybe? Uh, yes. Those uh, stories where I, sometimes when I'm speaking, I say the heroine goes out into the dark, stormy night, even though there's no reason to go out into the dark, stormy <laughs> night. <laughs> but that that one didn't sell. I'd actually gotten an agent. She encouraged me to uh, try historical because historicals were very popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I said, well, you know, I don't like history much in school, but I decided... 
excuse me, that when you uh, are reading the history you want to read, that's a whole different ballgame than when you're reading the history the teacher tells you to read. Were all, do all of your books take place in, in like a historical Southern setting? They do. I've always set my books in Kentucky because that's, you know, Kentucky is what I know. I grew up here in Kentucky, so I know what the weather is like. I know sort of what the people are like, and and uh, that's one of the reasons I always like to choose a Kentucky background. I still find it so fascinating when there are uh, historical novels that aren't just about like nineteen, you know, eighteen hundreds England or the Renaissance or something. So it's 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 a great way to introduce readers to different areas or something that's even familiar for them. Well, I don't know much about eighteen uh, hundreds England, yeah, <laughs> but I I can find out a lot about eighteen hundreds Kentucky. <laughs> And the weather maybe hasn't changed that much since then. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, switching, going, jumping down to um, River to Redemption, uh, I am I know that this book probably had so much research involved with it, and then the fact that it was based off of a true story. Can you tell us a little bit about the story that inspired this book? Well, after I had finished my last book, I was sort of looking around for a, a new idea, mm-hmm. and I happened to have a book that I picked up at a book fair that that was uh, I can't remember the title of it and I've searched for the book I know it's here somewhere but I haven't been able to find it uh, it was about con- unknown Kentucky heroes and one of the stories was about Lewis Sansbury who was a slave in the 1800s and that was during uh, the cholera epidemic of 1833 mm-hmm. of course cholera was a terrible disease yeah and they really didn't know what was causing it at that time you could be get up in the morning and feel fine and, and really be dead by night it was that that dreadful uh, sickness and whole families could could get it and pass away it was yeah. just just an awful thing so what happened the people thought at that time thought that cholera was caused by bad air because it always came in the summertime and they always thought it might be caused because of people throwing out their potato peelings or fruit peelings or or that sort of thing that that might be causing some kind of bad air that was making people sick so when they heard about a cholera death anybody that had had the means to do so would pack up and leave town Mm -hmm. so when that happened in springfield kentucky the uh, hotel owner, who was also the owner of Lewis, packed up and gave Lewis the keys and told him to keep things running. Well, Lewis was one of those unusual people who did not was not affected by cholera. And so he stayed in the town, and even though he was a slave and didn't have any freedom of his own, he stayed and he took care of the people that were sick that didn't have anybody left to take care of them. And then when the people died, he dug the graves and buried them, wow. 55 people. So you can imagine what a uh, job that might have been to dig 55 graves. And so 12 years later, in 1845, his his uh, master died. And his the, master, the man's heirs were going to sell Lewis. But the town remembered what Lewis had done for them, and so they collected money and, and bought Lewis's freedom and set him up in a blacksmith shop. I just thought that was such an interesting story. Yeah, it's such a sort powerful of an story. Amazing, amazing story that the town would have would have stepped up for him. Made me think that Lewis must have been a guy that 
you know, even though he was a slave, that he might have been well-respected in the town. He had to be strong. I felt like he had to be a man of God mm-hmm. in order to to do what he did. And so I decided to make up a story surrounding that event. Now, you know, my story is completely fiction other than that germ of truth. The people I make up, made up to go along with Lewis are, are fictional. But... I do have that germ of the idea that was true about Lewis. And I love that you picked um, a woman to make, to be the one that helps save him and helps to help give him sort of the, bring back the respect that he deserves. Um, Was was Adria inspired by anybody else in your research? No, actually, Adria was... uh... She, her family all died in, mm-hmm. in the cholera epidemic, and Lewis found her after her family was dead. And uh, he took her back and took care of her, and then found her a home because, of course, the slave couldn't couldn't keep a little white girl. Right. And so he found her a home with a school teacher, well, the school teacher's wife, because the school teacher also died. And so I have that uh, secondary story about about uh, the school teacher Ruth and uh, how she she makes her way through through the difficulties and the grief of losing her husband and eventually finding a, a new a new start in life and it's interesting too because the two of them uh, you know baby Adria and, and Ruth could have had so much survivor's guilt but they were able to find solace in their own relationship with each other well, I think Ruth maybe did have that uh, yeah. guilt, but Adria was young. She was only seven when, when all this took place. And so I think, you know, youth, we can sometimes overcome when you're young. You don't have the same ideas and the same memories as an older person would have. That's true. That's very true. And all the different... Um experiences that form us. I found this book to be just so emotional and and gripping. And I imagine for you as an author creating this story, there had to be moments and scenes that you were, that you were create as you were drafting them and putting them together that, uh, just were so powerful. You know, when I'm writing a story, I'm just sort of letting the characters uh, live the story. Mm -hmm. I'm recording it. And I did uh, enjoy writing the part for Adria was a child. I did feel like that uh, some of those moments were strong where she and Lewis were interacting with the, her innocence and his his realization that he was a slave and didn't have any freedom to really mm-hmm. help her in the way that he might have wanted to. And then, of course, Matilda, the other slave that was uh, part of the story, which there was also a, a real Matilda Sims in that helped with Lewis while he was taking care of people. And I let her have a strong freedom will, even though she was a slave and never did have freedom. I I let her have that I want to be free feeling, even though it never happened for her. Yeah, and it's it's also just sort of a really genuine thing of giving Lewis and Matilda two people who so much, you know, history is probably forgotten and people outside of Kentucky don't know about, but giving them this opportunity to have a story told about them because at their time they may never have had something like that. Well, no, I don't think they would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the people in Springfield, Kentucky, which is a real town, uh, I don't know when they, they erected this little monument to Lewis in their uh, cemetery and to all the people that he buried. 
uh, the graves were all unmarked because uh, of the situation. Mm-hmm. So they, they have a, a monument to Lewis and to the victims of the cholera epidemic. Actually, it, the cholera epidemic came again in the 1850s, and Lewis again uh, stayed and helped people and then buried those who died. I think there was 30-some that time. But that's after my story ends. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the sequel. <laughs> so, Anne, are you um, are you working on anything new right now? I know you probably have a book, another book coming out next summer. I do. I have a book already with the publishers. It's actually going to go back uh, to my fictional Shaker village and have another Shaker story. It's going to be called The Refuge, and it's going to it's about a has a little cholera uh, tie-in, too, because it's about a young woman and her husband who came to the Shaker Village because of a cholera epidemic, because they knew that that never happened. The Shakers never had cholera because, of course, they had clean water. Mm-hmm. They didn't know all that at the time. But then after they come to the, the Shaker Village, uh, my uh, character's husband is actually killed in an accident, and so she is a, a Shaker widow with no way to leave as they had planned because they had planned to just come and stay until cool weather when cholera would no longer be a problem and then leave and, and make their own own way. Oh. And now she's sort of trapped in the Shaker village with without any other way to, to leave. And then she finds out she's expecting a baby. Oh, wow. So this poor woman has been handed a, a number. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, the sh- I don't know whether you do or not, but the Shakers uh, separated the children into a separate house. And so while she's expecting, she has that dread the whole time of having t- to perhaps give up her child to be raised as a Shaker instead of her being able to raise a sh- child herself. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that detail. But about I will it. tell you what. I won't tell you what happened. Okay, good. Yes, we have to have some secrets. Some <laughs> something to look forward to. <laughs> well, Anne, before I let you go, um, we at the podcast, we love talking about what we're watching, what we're reading, and what we're listening to. And so I was curious if you had any recommendations for us. I don't watch a lot of television because uh, my husband, he's, he's one of these people that likes the news channels. Mm. And uh, I don't watch the news channels much. And, and he likes to switch chase stations, and I don't like to switch stations. So <laughs> <laughs> we sort of have a problem with that. Yeah, you just let him but, have the remote, I get it. <laughs> yeah, just letting him have it, and I stay in the other room and read, because I'd rather <laughs> read than watch television any day. But except when UK, University of Kentucky, is playing basketball, and, and then I always watch that. <laughs> <laughs> got to have your priorities. <laughs> yeah, you got to have your priorities. <laughs> So I'm not sure I can give any uh, good advice on uh, on movies or TV, but uh, I know there's some really good ones out there. I read about <laughs> other people liking them. And I've been reading some books for uh, endorsement. Uh, I just read Her Hope Discovered by Cynthia Heron. For, it's going to be a, a story set in a small town about a young woman who's trying to change her life and how she finds love with a little help from angels above. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, one of the books I read recently that I really enjoyed was the the uh, Guernsey Potato Peel Literary Book Club. I'm, 
they've just brought out a movie yep, yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. And I did actually watch that movie with my sisters because they also read the books that we had a mini uh, book club oh, movie watching time. Yeah. So that was fun. But I, I don't have any... Uh, any particular kind of book I like to read, I sort of have all sorts. I'm open to anything that has a good story. Yeah, that's that's what I really like best. Just just some something that will you know wrap you up with the characters, make you want to cheer them on. I don't like books that don't end well. <laughs> I, like, I like my characters to have hope at the end. For sure. So. Yeah, I like a happy ending too. <laughs> and right now I'm reading a book about. The Frontier Nursing Service, because uh, my book before this one was called These Healing Hills, and it was, it's got Frontier Nursing Service history in it, and so I'm actually uh, doing some research to uh, return to the Appalachian Mountains and write another story with Frontier Nursing wow, that's cool. Service. So uh, it's called Unbridled Service because it's about. A, the couriers that came to just help the nurses, nurse midwives, take care of the horses and run errands and do that sort of thing for them. And that's who I'm planning to have be the heroine in my next book that I'm working on now. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And also so crazy to be thinking about what your 2020 title is going to be. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it, you have to, you, people that uh, talk to you don't really realize how long the process can be with yeah. traditional publishing. I know people that independently publish can get a book up a lot faster, but with traditional publishing, it's usually at least a year mm-hmm. from the time you turn it in. I mean, it's, uh, for me, it's about a year to write it and then about a year for them to, to go through all the edits and get the cover designed and have it all ready to go for this market. So it's sort of a process. Yes, it's definitely a process. <laughs> But a good one. I enjoy working with Ravel and Baker Publishing Group. They're, they're a great bunch to work with and have always make beautiful covers and, and make the books look as good as they can for people. Yes, they definitely care about their books, which is something that I think all their authors, defi- all the authors really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, it's always great to have a good cover. And you know the cover for River to Redemption, it, that was a pretty much of a home run. That's a great cover. It is a great cover. <laughs> Well, Anne, before I let you go, um, where can listeners find out uh, more about you and how to stay in touch with you? Well, I have a website, www.annhgabhart.com. I do a lot on Facebook. I have a Facebook page where I do do uh, different things during the week. Uh like Friday, I have jokes, Friday smiles. Wednesday, I have Wednesday uh, shaker information. Uh, Sunday, I take a walk in the morning and I let, invite everybody to go along with me. So it's Sunday morning coming down. So we have a lot of fun on my Facebook page. Fun. I also do some Twitter twittering. I don't do as much twittering as I do Facebook, but mm-hmm. I, am, I do have a Twitter account. I'm there some of the time. And you can find my blogs. I have blogs, and you can find those on my website. I uh, usually post on my blog twice a week. Sometimes I have contests where I give away books. So sometimes we do a game where we have mystery pictures or or captions for uh, a picture picture that I might post. I invite people to. Uh, join in the fun of playing those games and maybe win a book (laughs) that's awesome of course you can always get my book at baker publishing company 
and uh, at any of the book sites on, online. Your bookstore might even order it if you ask them. That's true. Absolutely. Well, you just did my job for me. Uh, like Ann said, you guys can find the book anywhere books are sold. Um, River to Redemption is out now, and then we will be looking forward to your new book next summer. That sounds great. Awesome. Well, Ann, thank you again so much for giving me your time today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to extend my thanks again to Ann H. Gabhart for joining me today. You can find River to Redemption anywhere books are sold. Thank you also to Ravel Books and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Ann H. Gabhart and other Ravel Books and Bethany House authors. And until next time, happy reading.